Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to Taking Care of Business. My uh, first guest in season one was Tanya Ackland, one of the top real estate agents for Remax in Calgary and in Canada. And my guest today is her, is her other half. Usually you should say her better half, right? But I'll, 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 I'll plead the fifth on this one. Uh, her better half, her other half, Chad Hughes, a successful businessman, a serial entrepreneur, and uh, if I... If I'm correct, you're the president and CEO of Lens Solution LP, co-owner of Dynamis Nutrition, owner of and area developer of Dogtopia. Um, I hope I didn't forget anything. That's it. That's it. Uh, you also participated uh, recently in a published uh, a, a book that was published recently, uh, Purpose, Passion, and Profit, uh, which we'll discuss later. So good morning, Chad. Morning. Thank you for being my guest um, on this uh Wonder, I should say, finally wonderful, uh, nice day and uh, sunny day in Calgary. Um, so I didn't miss any company that you co-own, partner. Not, not that I want to admit. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I promised you when we chatted before that it would be about business. And I didn't tell you, but the first segment is also get to know you. Um, you know, people want to know who, who they listen to. So we'll go to the start. Um, was Calgary always home? No, um, I've been in Calgary about 20 years. Um, grew up in central Alberta, uh, east of Panoka. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, out in the sticks, 20 miles east of Panoka. So farm boy? Feedlot, yeah. Feedlot, oh, okay. Feedlot farm operation. Um, you know, grew, grew up, uh, you know, shoveling pig manure and chasing <laughs> cattle around the feedlot. Doing things I shouldn't have been doing at the age I was at, but uh, we we did anyway. So, what was yeah. that kind of the family tradition, or to work hard at a, at a young age? Yeah, I think it, I think it was like I wasn't even allowed to put my hands in my pockets, <laughs> even if I was at church. If I had my hands in my pockets, I'd get the the look like get your hands out of your pockets, boy. So. I- uh, yeah, I see any uh, siblings, uh, and that's what your parents did, did. They were farmers or kind of ranchers. Yeah, so my my folks uh, came out uh, west. They grew up in Ontario. They came out here on their honeymoon, and then went home and packed up and and moved here. And my dad had always dreamed of the you know the big farms of of Western Canada. Um, farming in Ontario, you've got a much smaller you know plot of land to to work with and so they um they moved out here and that's where my sister and i were both born here i have an older sister two years older and um she uh, she now lives in toronto so. did she have to shovel my pig manure she 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 had to shovel a bit of manure yeah she did uh i i think she had it easier than i did but you know she worked pretty hard too yeah i remember putting up a stink now and then you know she shouldn't be doing the kind of labor that she was but I see and uh, what kind of kid were you growing up in a, in a, in a kind of on a ranch well um, kind of kid sports like, active well, yeah. bookworm or just work 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 no I was into hockey hockey and 
baseball. Um, baseball little, for the two months that uh, weather allows in Alberta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was always like the, you know, it was like the, uh, was like the third pitcher. You know, I was, I was, same with I played center in hockey. But I was like kind of like the third guy. You know, I was wasn't quite you know good enough to be the even the second, but I was, <laughs> I was in there. So. Um, But yeah, I played hockey, ball, um, rode motorcycles, skidoos, you know, the odd time we'd jump on the back of a pig or a steer and see how long we'd stay on it. Interesting, because I heard that you had a dream to become a cowboy and participate in the circuit. Well, I, well, I, I thought it would be a good way to get, like, to meet chicks. So I did, uh, you know, I did try it. And I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> yeah. I see, but did you try to get into the circuit? Well, I, 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 I rode a little bit of uh, bareback bronx at an amateur level, but, you know, it was very short-lived, thankfully. I, I, I injured myself every single time I got on a horse <laughs> because of the way I got off of it, um, but not gracefully. I see. So um, that was a short-lived thing. It was, it was fun. I just I realized that I... I, I didn't think I really had a knack for it, so I, I gave it up. And when you go now to the Stampede and you see all those guys participate, is that kind of, kind of bothering you a little bit, that you didn't give it a little bit more of a yeah. shot? Well, you know, I, I, I actually, if I were to have a do-over, I would have started it earlier, in, in, like I would have tried earlier in life, and I would have tried a little harder. Because, you know, when I watch the pros... You know, I think, man, it's just, it's really fun to watch them. It's, it's fun to watch a good ride when you know how hard it is to actually do that. So, but, um, but then that being said, if I'd have gone down that road a lot further, who knows where I would have ended up. <laughs> That's maybe a good thing that got derailed as early as it did. <laughs> I see. So uh, you, you live in, uh, in a ranch, uh, you said 20 clicks east of Pinocchio? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you finish high school and then what? So actually, you know, we, when, when I was 15, we moved. So we, okay. we, uh, we ended up uh, running into some financial difficulty. And, and uh, my dad sold the, sold the land and had an equipment sale and, and um, took, a, took a job with um, the Sampson Band managing uh, a feedlot for them, which was near Devon, Alberta. So between junior high and high school, we moved. Uh, to Devon and I went from you know I went from this environment I went to a school that was 100 kids from kindergarten to grade nine and then into high school into it was a very preppy environment now don't make fun of me because I'm looking very preppy today <laughs> but back then you know that I would have been like gosh what's the matter with you people <laughs> so um, so that was uh, that was a really challenging time for all us as a family and uh, And it was, it was uh, pretty unnerving going into that environment. You mentioned 100 kids from kindergarten to uh, grade 12 in the school that you started, but Devon was not exactly the a big city, or was it Devon? Devon, yeah. So, well, kindergarten to grade 9, yeah, 100 kids. So I would have had like 10 in my class, I right? And, and then you get to the big city of Devon, which yeah, is 5,000 people. Right, which was, a, was a lot, not a big city. No, I don't. See what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's all relative, though. So, But there was, I don't know, there must have been a couple, 300 kids in that school or something. So it was wow. It was, yeah, and they were all, you know, 
town kids, <laughs> acreage kids. I see. Yeah. And, and, and you finish high school, and what's your career? How did your career kind of evolve? Yeah, so uh, finished high school, um, wandered, wandered around for a while. Like I, I worked at, in the feedlot. Um, I took up tin bashing for a little while, but, you know, it was kind of like the bronc riding. Like I wasn't very good at it. I cut my hands a lot. But, uh, <laughs> and actually, you know what, we, we went to this, um, we went to this one, this one home to put in a new furnace and it was this mansion like outside of Edmonton and I was 18 and I was sitting in the van and I'm and I knew what my my um, like the journeyman I worked with I knew what he made because he'd always leave his pay stub out like and he made $18.60 an hour and he had like three kids and I remember I remember I remember actually sitting in the van I saw in his lunch pail his pay stub with what he made and and I looked at the house we were working on. I'm like, God, this isn't gonna like this. This isn't gonna get me far. So <laughs> so I I soon left that, but I didn't leave it for a better option. I went back to the feedlot and I was working for my dad for ten bucks an hour. So um, so they they really were pushing me to go to go to college. And so your I, folks were yeah. And I and I actually didn't. I came up short. I didn't actually get my diploma um, I was a credit short of my high school diploma so I had to go to night school so I went to night school and took an accounting course and the guy felt sorry for me and basically passed me <laughs> even though I barely showed up and uh, so then I so then I went off to uh, Olds College I see and uh, and and I enrolled in the the land agent program at Olds um, was it a natural kind of going into land for you, you know, being a farm ranch boy well, it turned out to be yeah. Now, I, originally, I I wanted to go into environmental, but I didn't have the like I didn't have I couldn't because of my grades. Like right. I, so they suggested, well, if you take the land, you know, you stay in the land, you know, in general, you can transfer over after a year. But then, you know, I got a year into it, and I realized that this is actually a really good fit for me based on my background. So I actually kind of like I kind of stumbled into the program. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't my first choice. And uh, once I was in it, I, I, that, I mean, my thinking at the time was, wow, this is good, good enough. I just want to get, get through it, you know, and get out of here. So, <laughs> so that's. Uh, so you get your uh, land designation diploma with uh, Olds uh, College, and what's your first job coming out of university or sorry, college? Yeah. Now you have to face the real world. You don't go back to the feedlot, or you go back to the feedlot, you know, being comfortable. Well, I, I did a little bit of both actually. So, you know, when when I when I was going through the program, part of what I liked about the the type of work is that I thought I could do land work and farm on the side, and that's what I thought I wanted to do. Well, that's what I wanted to do at that time. And so, when I got out of college, uh, I took a job with a consulting company, much like what we run today, and Oh, they were great guys. Um, they, but they had hardly any work, so they they did their best to get me stuff to do, and it was in Edmonton. So, so yeah, I would I would work in the feedlot, and then when there was work to do with my job, I'd go and do that. And so I, I kind of dabbled in 
in both until I finally, about two years in, I found a, I found a position where there was actually, you know, enough activity that I could focus on it mm-hmm. um, a little bit more full time. Um, I got out of college in in '95. There wasn't like it was wasn't a lot of work for land agents at the time, at least not, or not for the junior guys. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, that. That was um, you know the first three years of that that career out of college. I was I was out on the highways and gravel roads, meeting with farmers and and inking deals for the oil and gas industry. I want to go for a second to your family. Your family now. Yeah. Your new family, let's call it. Yeah. So you are 20 clicks east of Panoka. Yeah. And your future wife is on a farm east of Wetaskiwin. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you guys meet? And where did you guys meet? In the big city or, you know, the difference, the, the, the distance between Wetaskiwin and Panoka is what, 20 clicks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, she used to go to Bible camp across the lake from where I grew up, and I used to sit on the top of the barn with my binoculars. <laughs> but I actually, no, I didn't. But but that is true that she did go to a Bible camp right near my house too. We uh, we met at a really sketchy house party in in the in Calgary one one evening. I see. And I, there was actually three of her there. At least I was seeing three of them when I first started to talk to her. Yeah, so we, we met uh, very randomly. And then as we got talking, I realized what a small world it, it was. And now you have two wonderful daughters together. Yeah, two girls. But yeah. I understand then that when you guys met, you still had your chaps and you were using them from time to time. Well... Well, I still use them from time to time. No. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. Um, we don't want to see well, those pictures. She does make fun of me for what I was wearing the night she met me. Oh. She said I had a hat with a piece of wheat on it and some frayed jeans and a really, really ugly sweater. <laughs> what, is, what is it, a Christmas ugly sweater evening? What I, was I, I like the sweater, actually. I just finally got rid of it a year ago. She fun, But, uh, yeah, she thought I was... She thought I was a good project, <laughs> but um, but I still have some of my gear hanging around. And you to, use it from time to time? Well, I can't tell you. But, you know. <laughs> I see. Um, you know, can you explain a little bit about your companies before we go to the first commercial break and before we start going into business? So what is what does Lens Solution do? Yeah, so we um, we help any kind of industry that needs access to land. So oil and gas uh, is a big um, industry segment that we work with. Um, midstream, um, telecommunications, um, infrastructure, LRT, roads, um, power, you know, any, any industry that, that needs to access land to develop what it is they, they need to develop, we represent them. Mm-hmm. So that means we're out uh, meeting with landowners, we're engaging with the public, uh, um, we're helping them with how they communicate with the public and uh, preparing all of the legal documentation they need to do that. So we basically get them access to land. And then on the environmental side, we help them with their upfront planning studies. And then we'll help them put the sites to bed at the end with, uh, you know, if something needs to be reclaimed, we help with that. Um, environmental side's taken us a little bit into the real estate, um, real estate world, and uh, that's 
turning out to be a bit of a niche for us, which is which is good because we're quite focused on diversifying um, uh, outside of oil and gas these days for obvious reasons. But uh, so that that's the land business. We're across Canada, coast to coast, and then we're down into the United States as well. Mm-hmm. Just recently this year. And what's the Dogtopia? Dogtopia is a it's a dog daycare boarding franchise concept. Very dear friend and mentor of mine, Peter Thomas. He, he, he owns owns it. Like he he came in and saw the opportunity with the concept, and and uh, and he introduced me to it. And so, I of course said yes before I even read one read one detail. After, afterwards, I started to read through the details. I'm like, gee, I must be half crazy that I did this. But <laughs> but uh, yeah. So we've got three locations. Uh, uh, running in Calgary and and hope to open a few more. Mm, I see. And the last one is Dynamis Nutrition. Yeah. So, well, we I just recently uh, got involved with this. Um, I I I had started a distribution business uh, a while back, and we weren't that successful with that. But but through through that, we met uh, this. Um, we came across Dynamis. And we were we were carrying the product, and and it was through that relationship we realized that you know they they got a really really great product, mm-hmm. and but didn't have you know they didn't have the support from a business standpoint or financially to to really get it going, and so we uh, we I say we my my partner Vic Bakshi he he helped me in the distribution business. We came in together and. And we've provided some financial support, and and uh, I'm helping them with. Um, you know, I don't I don't get too involved with that, but I help them with their strategy and, you know, with cadence and you know getting getting things done. And so uh, we'll see how it goes. Great product. I I, I don't know anything about uh, nutritional par- products or or marketing even for that matter, but. I, I think marketing is probably a big piece to getting that thing off the ground. <laughs> well, Chad, we have to take our first commercial break. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Chad's company, open a new tab and go to lensolutions.ca where you can read about their commitment to both industry and local communities. We will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You 
You're tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guest, Chad Hughes, President and CEO of Lens Solutions. Um, Chad, you explained about your companies, but I, I was reading a little bit on your uh, bio, and in your bio it says, you mentioned, 16 years in leadership, management, and entrepreneurial opportunities. So what made you decide that you need to open your own company, you start your own company? Well, <clears throat> you know, a lot of things I find... Um, at, at least at that stage in my life, kind of, they, they happened a little bit with a bit of an unawareness as to why. But, but uh, I, I, um, I had transitioned from being a field guy, you know, out on the road acquiring leases to going and working in-house for, um, they call it in-house working for an E&P company. I was working for North Star Energy, really great, like just a great company, great people. And I was about three years into my role there, so six years into to my career, and I was just feeling bored. You know, I, I, you know, you can't, like, just hard work doesn't necessarily move the needle when you're in a big company like that. Right. Like you, you can't, you know, you don't, you just don't have a lot of control over what, what the return is on your time investment. So did you feel bored or did you feel that you can do it better? Well, there was two things happening. So one, I, I was I was bored. I don't know if I realized that, but in looking back, I was. Two, I was I was recalling what how how I was motivated when I was consulting, because if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. So like if you put in a twenty-hour day, which sometimes you did, um, you know it was a good reward. And so I was thinking about that. Which is a pretty simple way of looking at it, and then um, and then I was looking at the the work that the consultants we were using were were doing for us, and there was out of the three that we used, there was one that just was like really good, mm-hmm. and the other two who did hundreds of thousands worth of business with us every year. Anytime there was a real issue, I had to solve it, and I mean I was like, and I was 25 at the time, and they were. More senior than me, so I was observing that, noticing it, thinking that, well, gee, you know, maybe there's like there'd be a reason to go and uh, do my own consulting thing. So I started to, like, I, I looked at, I had an opportunity to start on my own. Um, I, I had a client that would have, you know, would have would have done a lot of work for out of the gates, um, and then. And then I had I had two others that were kind of like coming in and partnering with an existing company, and uh, and, the, and and then Land Solutions. I had worked with um, I had worked with a, a lady that was the first was one of the founding partners of Land, Land Solutions, um, so I had there's familiarity there, um, and a good friend of mine, uh, his name's Glenn Miller. He 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 knew Ron Vermeulen who started the company. And he introduced the two of us, and then there was another. Uh, there was another fellow that uh, that there was, you know, a relationship there with. So there, I, I, at the end, in the end, um, 
know, that's the direction I went. Thankfully, I was able to. You know, I, 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 I sometimes say it wrong. I'm like, I'm not sure why you picked me. Yeah. But, um, where I was at in life at that time. But he he probably asked himself the same question. Oh, I, I guarantee you he has <laughs> from time to time. But uh, anyway, so I, I joined the, him. And the reason I did, though, and so I tell this to sometimes, you know, I've tried to recruit some guys that have started their own company just early on. I've tried to get them to kind of come and do it with us. And I share the story with them. Like, when I was... So I was 26 when I was going to make this jump, and, and I could have done it on my own. But, you know, I was, I guess I was a little wise enough to, I use that term, you know, kind of lately, but I, I recognize that I was 26, and I still have a lot to learn. So to be able to partner with somebody that was 10 years ahead of me and very well respected in, in the space I, I thought was a better move so that I could continue to grow in, in that uh, profession. So that's what I did. So that was in 2000 and, uh, 2001, summer of 2001. And we had, a, we had an arrangement uh, option to buy into the company uh, within, within the first year. And it was after about six months I, I bought in and, and away we went. So 2001, you were 26. Man, you were young. Um, you mentioned uh, a mentor, Peter Thomas. You said a friend and a mentor. You said it online and, and, and uh, I mean, on air and off air. Yeah. When did you start working with a mentor? How important is a mentor to a guy that, you know, knows all, like every entrepreneur and knows how to run his company and, yeah. and, and we, we know it all and we, we don't need anyone else? How important is it to have mentors? That's it's crucial. Yeah, I think mentors and, and coaching, and they're, two, and they're different things. Like, um, I, you know, along my my journey, I think people have mentored me um, in different ways. Uh, Ron, who started the company, he there was a time where he he mentored me in in certain ways. And but you know, as you evolve and grow, you 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 kind of grow your mentors and coaches as well. Um, I think that it's. I think for people, if you really want to get serious about it, you, you've got to look outside your circle. I think it's hard for for guys like me anyway. Like I, I can't say that I love um, criticism. And sometimes mentorship is, you know, it's about that. But a good mentor that is that is coming at, at um, coming at the relationship somewhat unbiased like they're not in your circle so mm-hmm. they might have their own biases but they're not related to what who you've been or what you've been doing and I think that kind of mentorship is really important because it uh, it helps you listen more it helps you take in take in the information and uh, maybe take it more seriously than you would if it was somebody that you're very really, really familiar with so um, you and know my, do you also use a coach I do. I, I have a coach. His name's Dave Larue. Um, he's uh, he's a very successful entrepreneur um, uh, out of um, Minneapolis. His main business is a company called Baldwin Supply, and and Dave would be just early 60s. Um, but he's coached for years. Um, probably coached for 20 years, and he loves coaching. I mean, he. He's built his businesses through coaching his people and and being honest about 
what he's good at. Like he, he always says, he says, Chad, all progress starts with the truth. You know, you've got to, got to be honest with, with yourself about um, what you want and, and what you're good at and you're not good at, and then get busy figuring out what you're going to do about it. And so, um, you know, that's been, been very helpful and in a different way than, than the mentorship relationship, like the coaching I've worked with different types of coaches, but uh, this type of coaching—it's really—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's you doing the work. What what he does is he creates an environment for you to do the right thinking, and tools to help you with that thinking, and uh, you know that's really powerful stuff. But it's so it's not, and then you get some guidance along the way too. The guys right. have lots of that that he can provide, but uh, which is different from a mentor mentorship relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was when we I was doing my research. Um, I went on the um, Land Solutions website, and um, I really uh, I would I would like to read something that I found on your website, and it's about uh, under the kind of line of about us, real values to live by, mm-hmm. and it says on your website we care about our people, we're committed to your success. Quality work without compromise, passionate about innovation. And then it says, it continues to say, spend a few minutes with any expert from Land Solutions, and one thing will become completely clear our culture is exceptional. The other thing you mentioned there is our values define who we are, they aren't just catchphrases or hollow promises. One of the questions I ask almost every uh, guest of mine is how do you take values? from the wall, on a plaque, nice plaque on the wall, to the floor, to the office floor. How do you make them live? Yeah. How do you guys do it at Atlanta Solutions? Well, I mean, they were live before they hit the wall, so that helped. Like, we, 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 you know, published them, I guess, if you will, after, you know, they were already living, so that helped. But, but they can go unnoticed very easily. Uh, if you don't look for where you're living them. And so what we do, I mean. How do you keep them alive if they were already there before you put them on the wall? How do you keep them alive over 17 years that you're in the company? Yeah, well, it starts with, I think val- like values start with the people. Like it, it's, you know, if you were to start fresh today, and so if I were to go start something brand new today and it was just me, the values of the company are going to be basically, they're going to be my values as a person, naturally. And and you might have some aspirational values that you want to put on the wall. Um, in some cases, you might have an accidental value. Like so, for example, if I, you know, if I just happen to be a nice guy, then maybe the caring part would just accidentally happen in the company. That's okay, but. Um, so then as you, but then as you bring people into the fold, you're going to be looking, whether you realize it or not, I think you're going to be looking for people that kind of align with those values. Mm-hmm. So they start to become more and more alive that way. To keep them alive, I think one is being mindful of when you continue to add people. The challenge with growing is that when you continue to add people into the, into the company, um, you can start to you can start to water those down by hiring the wrong people. So you, you know, we we 
make a point of having certain questions in the interview process that would help us understand whether or not we think they, they would fit with the values. And then from there, it's looking for ways to celebrate them. So, you know, intentionally asking, like either sharing in some of the meetings, sharing a core value story. So kick off the meeting with, hey, who's got a core value story that mm-hmm. you can share? And talking about them helps keep them alive and keep them, you know, visible. Um, writing about them, uh, you know, writing about them on a somewhat regular basis can help. And because you can interpret those in different ways. Right. You know, that we care about our people. And I sometimes struggle with that because we, we love our people. We do truly care. But we're not caregivers. And sometimes people mix those two up, right? <laughs> it's like... Just, you know, I hear you loud I, and clear. I, I love you, but you need some tough love here. So, <laughs> you know, so that one is, you know, you, you've got to watch for that too. But so, but that's that's what we try to do. Um, another thing that I found on your website that I was that I found interesting was, and before we go to the book, uh, is earlier this year, I think it was May, uh, you wrote a piece. I think it's a blog uh, that. Um, how do you stay focused on, on the present? And you said that, and, uh, and you know, I think that's a problem that every entrepreneur has that is stay focused on the present without dreaming about the future. Yeah. And you kind of put it in writing. So w- what brought you to write this blog? Because it's a very personal blog, I would say, mm. to put it on a company uh, website. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I got lots of things that I think about and and uh, that I want to share. So, I mean, I, I wrote about that because actually, you know what it was? There was a guy, you know, I, I like to write. I, I find the process of writing, I don't know, therapeutic, you know. I, I Liberating. It is kind of, you know, and it gets, it helps with your thinking. I find when I write, it helps with my thinking. And, and so um, I was, you know, I was thinking about things to write about. And, uh, and I was sitting with... Um, I was sitting with a couple of clients slash friends and we were, we were having a glass of wine and we started to talk about being present. I don't even know why. Like, I actually don't know how it came up. And I said, yeah, you know, I think I struggle. I struggle with being present. And the one guy sitting there, his name's Bob Clark. He's a good guy. Hopefully he doesn't mind that I mention him. He goes, yeah, Chatty, I noticed that about you. I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, well, you're always looking over my shoulder, kind of like when I'm talking to you, you're kind of, you're half with me, but you're kind of looking over my shoulder and you're like, you're fiddling away, you know, and that really impacted me because I, I really respect this guy a lot. And, uh, and I, I thought, gee, you know, that's, that's interesting. So I said to him right there, I said, I'm going to write about this. Like I, I, I'm going to write, I'm going to share some thinking on this. So that's why I wrote about it. But, you know, there's, there's, um, we're all sort of wired a certain way and entrepreneurs tend to be like, I don't know if you're familiar with Colby, but I'm a nine quick start. I'm like a, I'm, I'm like a three, four, nine, two. Like it's amazing. I can even tie my shoes, but I could think about how to tie them. I just don't know how to tie them. And, uh, but, uh, so for, for depending on how your makeup is, you know, those things can be more challenging for some than others. So I've just had to, you know, I've, I've have to, I have to stay mindful. I still, struggle I get made fun of at work you know like they'll, they'll say oh we lost them 
<laughs> oh, I know when I lost him, I can see he's already thinking about something else. Keep it short. Don't send me long emails. Keep it short. <laughs> so. uh, well, you can find a lot of people in this office that will tell you that it's the same. If you listen to my voicemail, it's, leave me a short message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, is this an entrepreneurial uh, disease? I, I think it's from it, from other entrepreneurs you met. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it's funny in the coaching because it's ninety five percent entrepreneurs, and uh, there's a lot of quick starts in the room. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's if anything being in a room full of guys like that makes you feel normal. You know, so <laughs> my my support group. Uh, we reached our second commercial break. Break uh, when you go to lensolutions.ca, check the many service lines they offer, as well as the various locations and industry they offer those services to. We'll be back with Chad following the commercials. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back uh, with my guest, Chad Hughes, President and CEO of Lens Solutions, uh, owner and area developer of Dogtopia, and a part co-owner of Dynamics Nutrition. So, Chad, let's uh, move to uh, an experience you had, and I got the book earlier this year. Um, how did it 
come about? You writing in a book, you just said you like writing, but how did you get into this book that features about 40 other entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, <clears throat> it's interesting. If you, you know, uh, people plant seeds with you, you know, or things in life will plant seeds with you. And I, and I had, I'd never even, it never had crossed my mind that I would ever write a book or be, I mean, that's technically not writing a book. I contributed to it, but, mm -hmm. but I would like to publish something on my own someday. Um, but I, I, that was never on my radar at all. And then I, I, it was two people, actually, my mentor, Peter, made a mention one time. I, and I think he mentioned, he said, everyone should write a book. You know, it was just in passing. And he, he's written a few books. So. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, I, and it just sort of stuck with me. And then my coach uh, mentioned, I'd sent him some of my, my writing. Just, you know, he does some great writing. And uh, so I was sharing some of mine. And he said, oh, this is great. Someday, you, you know, you can add this in as chapters of your book. And so... You know, those were just little things that stuck with me. So I, then I started to think, well, it would be kind of neat to maybe author a book someday, but I didn't take it much further. I was listening to a, a podcast, and, and uh, Kyle Wilson, who coordinated this effort, he was uh, the guest on the podcast. And Kyle was Jim Rohn's business partner for 20-some years, and Jim Rohn International, who's passed, Jim Rohn's passed away now. But um, And I like Jim Rohn's you know, thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like his material. And so I was interested in Kyle. And so I listened to this podcast. Kyle talks about a blog that he has. I sign up for the blog. And uh, and it was uh, 52 lessons I learned from Jim Rohn. And every week you get a different lesson. And then I was, I would receive emails from him now I know he's a marketing genius so what he would call it is that he got me on his wheel and so I was receiving other information from Kyle and I received something he was put on an event it was a very random actually it was it was an event in Phoenix and it was memory training and marketing like that's an odd combo right but I I decided to go um the reason I decided to go is kind of interesting too. Like I, I, we were in Maui over Christmas, and I was I was doing I do a quarterly plan, and I and I and I put a lot of thinking into this. And and on that plan, I have my top ten, next ten, next twenty relationships. And my top ten relationships are are always made up of the people that I work with, like my team. Yeah. And I wanted to when I was doing the thinking about okay what what's why are those relationships important for this quarter and it was uh, I wanted to create some experiences for them so I had done that and then uh, you know and then I get this email from Kyle and I thought well I know this guy you know based on his background um, he he's a pretty well respected guy well the other thing that I had I had written down was I wanted to get more exposure for my writing so that was like a personal goal so I wanted to figure out how do I get a bit more exposure to the blog stuff I was doing so anyway I got the email and then I recalled those two things that were on my quarterly plan and I thought well this might actually marry up so I I reached out to the team I, a few of them they said you guys want to go to this and they're like yeah why not so we went and I memorized like I, I memorized 25 people's names and 
20 minutes and that was cool but uh but more importantly i met kyle and at the end of the meeting kyle mentioned he was doing a book and uh you know he gave some information out on what you'd have to go through the process for contributing to the book so um i took it away and and uh and followed up with him and and uh, that's basically how i got in the book so i like the uh the title leaning too far out of the window yeah yeah did you give it a title or he gave it a title well you know i did um we we had to Is, isn't that the true story of uh, of entrepreneurship we had a dog on the farm his name was peanut and he was a cross between a chihuahua and something else so he was a overgrown chihuahua yeah and he used to lean out the window and uh and he'd really get like he'd really lean out the window he'd get his feet out on the mirror and he'd be like he'd be three quarters of the way out the window and one day my dad thought it'd be funny if he took a hard left and the dog went flying out the window and the dog was very upset but uh he lived um i i mean i i i i'll never forget that but i, I had a friend say to me one time and it was regarding dogtopia you know when i was on this like crazy i'm just going to conquer the world spree and uh and he and i was i was going to buy an area for dogtopia in phoenix and he said you know chad he said i kind of feel like you're leaning a little too far out the window on this thing and you know and then we it was just in passing kind of thing and so that's actually where the idea came from i remembered that and he was right i was and i didn't do the phoenix deal thankfully but uh so that's where the title came from so uh 2014 the oil and gas industry is falling apart uh your land solution is basically doing most of the most of its work it was oil and gas uh did you feel at that time that you kind of leaned out of the window with the land solution with, with one kind of uh industry servicing only one kind or majority of your work is one industry what happened for you in 2014 that you learned that you put in the book well um a bunch of things so focus was one now land solutions wasn't nearly as diverse enough i mean that became very clear very quickly and we thought we were diverse so um that's that's a lesson taken out of you know out of the land solutions book i guess and just you know when times are good when times are good you you've got to make sure you're not taking your foot off the gas in terms of you know building your your core business i would say one of the lessons was that the the ability to be focused like i you know when when things go really well in one place for me i tend to like i tend to start to get a bit bored and antsy i start to look around that's i mean it's like well let's do dogtopia why not um so you know one of the lessons is just understanding your own limitations out of that when the when the you know when you know the poop hit the fan i'm not sure if i can swear on your show so. sure okay well when the shit hit the fan exactly yeah um i realized that like the shit hit the fan with in everything i was doing and there's only a certain amount of energy you have so when times are good yeah, it might seem possible to do some other things but when when you really need to be there now all of a sudden you're you know you're you're buried so that was a tough time um so that'd be one of the lessons from the from the downturn and i think too just like really being i'm an optimist like i can you remember the monty python movie the guy's got no limbs and he's still like that's just a flesh <laughs> wound like that's that's kind of me and so 
you know, acknowledging and being mindful of the fact that, like, I don't, if you're going to give me a hard dose of reality, there's a 90% chance that I'm not going to like it and I might not even listen to it because it doesn't align with the way I see things. And that's not always a good thing. Right. So that would be the other, you know, the other lesson taken out of, out of that. There's many that came out of that that point in my life, um, but uh, those are those are a couple. So, writing and participating in the book, what did you learn about yourself during this process? Um, during the book process, well, it it really for like the. You know, you, you uh, there wasn't a lot of, like, writing the book, I thought there'd be a lot more edit, editor support. Right. Like, you really had to do the work. You know, and I, <laughs> I thought it would be kind of like, oh, well, this would be easy. Here's the draft work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, but um, I, I learned that, what did I learn from writing the book? You know, I, I think that... Well, one of the things in terms of the craft of writing, I learned that it takes many iterations to like you've got you've got to you've got to build it, walk away and tear it apart and build it again. And you have to have the patience to do that. And I think that you know you can you can look at your business that way too. It's mm-hmm. it's a similar process. Like build it, um, you know, take a little breather and then don't be afraid to dissect it a bit and rebuild it to get it better. So the process of writing and doing the book was like that. The other thing was, you know, I really wanted to, I really wanted to pull out the point. Like I didn't want to just put something in a book for my ego's sake, which I do have an ego and as we, we all do, whether we admit it or not, but, and, but I, I wanted there to be more to it. So, um, really pulling out the lessons like really thinking about okay well what like what's real tangible that I can actually say that I learned out of this and getting them down like getting them clear and and down on paper actually serves as a very good tool for me like I I'll I'll open it up to that section often and I'll just kind of review those and go shit like I forgot I'm forgetting about this one lesson already you know Mm -hmm. and so the the process of doing that has been been helpful I would say is this the kind of opening of your career as a mentor? Um, well, you know, I, I, I've had a, the odd person ask me to coach them, and it's funny because I'm like, I don't know how to coach you. But then again, the, these people that plant seeds, my coach has mentioned a couple times, well, you should be coaching people. Come coach with me or, you know, just in passing. And so they kind of stick with you. So I would. Like, I, I, really, I really enjoy, you know, part of the – the, the enjoyment of writing is when somebody reaches out to you and says, man, that one thing that you mentioned in that blog or whatever, it really resonated with me. And I'm, and that is like, that's just like, wow, cool. Like I'm, that's, that's pretty powerful, right? So it opens your eyes up to maybe a, you know, a bit more a way you can have a meaningful impact on people. So yeah, I think perhaps I might, there might be some coaching that I do in the future for other guys that, that uh, you know just are interested <laughs> uh, we're getting kind of very near to the end of our show and I have a few questions kind of to complete uh, what what drives you well I think the the best word for that is curiosity I'm just very curious I love learning like when I when I some mornings I'll sit and I'll just just to get my mindset right I'll just sit and I'll talk about the things I love and it's like learning 
it's number one. I love learning. I love I love reading. I love writing and all those things. So, then, and I think that's a curiosity thing. I, I don't want to leave anything out uh, for the time I have here. I, I, I want to grow as absolutely as much as I can. And so that that's a big driver for me. Let's walk into the future. It's 2028 right now. And you, when you look back at the time, what would you like to accomplish between now and 2028? 2028. Well... Um, well, I would like to be, I'd say one thing for sure. I'd like to be out of like, not the guy in my business, you know, like I, I'm not in the Dogtopia or Dynamis. I play in my genius over there and it's good. But in land solutions, you know, I'm, I'm in it day to day. I'm our CEO. I'm, I'm the visionary and the integrator and I'm not a good integrator, you know, so I think in the future, I'd like to be able to um, let someone else play in their genius there and, and really be the guy that's executing in that business. So I'd like to be, you know, long term, I'd like to be focused on, you know, as I'd say, being in my genius. So that would be, you know, teaching, uh, writing, coaching, building, building businesses. You know, I love the connecting of the dots that goes into building, building a business and uh, just doing the things that it just I, I love to do the most. So that would be that would be the plan, you know, you know, financial freedom, abundance of time and experience, and all those things. So we'll have another book by Chad Hughes before 2028. I I, I would expect something. Yeah. Okay, we yeah. have it now. Record. Yeah, I'm on, now I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the one thing in life you're proud of? One. Shoot, don't think. <laughs> the one thing. Well, just where I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's you know, you can talk about lots of things you're you're proud of, but you know, when you when I look back on the journey, like I really like, you know, I wasn't always a really motivated, clear thinking guy. So the fact that I that I've somehow and I you know, I by the grace of God for sure, but that that I'm where I am today with the people around me that are around me is just, you know, to me, it's it's nothing short of a miracle. So I'm proud of that. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, Chad, you know, like every good thing, we get to, we got to the end of uh, today's show. So we reached the end of uh, today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, thank you, Chad, for being my guest and sharing your experiences, uh, both as a cowboy <laughs> and as a president and CEO of Land Solutions and the other organizations that you are involved with, uh, we wish you and all your organizations continued success. Uh, thank you uh, for your emails. Uh, I got some great recommendations for new guests. Please keep on emailing me uh, your feedback at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook uh, and LinkedIn. Thank you, Aaron, our dedicated engineer, and Sasha, my assistant executive producer. We'll meet you here at voiceamerica.com slash variety with a new guest next Tuesday, October 2nd, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.